We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Welcome back to another episode of the Budding Heads podcast from Ramstock Radio. I'm Steve Barrow, and back after two weeks gone on vacation, Magic Johnny Gomez is here. How you doing, Johnny? Oh, man, I'm nice, refreshed. I had a blast in Taiwan, but it's time to get back to business and talk some Rams football. And time to get back to Twitter for you as the Rams... Uh, succeeded in starting seven and zero, so now at Johnny Five Not Six is back. If you want to give him a follow, yes, I'm back in the Twitterverse, and uh, yeah, if I if I say something stupid or do something wrong, uh, bear with me because I haven't been on there in what like, gosh, four years. It's been something a while. Like you weren't even following me. I think I like <laughs> followed you like five times during the hiatus, and you never followed back. Uh, but you're back. <laughs> And you're following me now, so that's good. Uh, all right, we got a big day today. We almost did the podcast yesterday, but I decided pretty late in the day that we should probably wait a day in case any trades happen, and they did. But before we get into that, uh, give us a five-star review on iTunes if you can, guys. We're very close to 100 five-star reviews. Uh, when that happens, I believe we're giving away a $75 gift card. You can take that up with Derek if I got it wrong, but I don't think I did. And, of course, you could also find us besides iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Android, Player FM, Spotify, and iebeatradio.com, where our show airs Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. For my fellow East Coasters, that's 1 p.m. Eastern time. All right, so the Rams moved a 2019 third-round pick and a 2020 fifth-round pick for Dante Fowler, a defensive end primarily an edge rusher from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, so the pick will actually be one of the Rams' compensatory selections uh, uh, as 
for those of you who don't know what those are, basically when a free agent walks for a lot of money to a different team, you get a compensatory selection, which is anywhere from a third to a seventh round pick. The Rams had two players that will likely turn into third round picks with Sammy Watkins and Tremaine Johnson. And I believe Jacksonville is going to get the better of those two, but they won't be getting the Rams actual third round pick, which will be the best one. So Rams had three third round picks. They're only losing one here. They're still going to have two. Johnny, what's your reaction to this trade and how you feeling about how Fowler will help us out for the rest of the year? Oh, it was a brilliant move. Uh, it's something that, that the Rams <laughs> clearly lack. And, you know, one of the things about that is I, I think there was high hopes in uh, Dominic Easley, you know, to kind of fulfill this role. Uh, unfortunately, he he's on the IR for, you know, this season now. And basically they have a guy like Matt Longacre taking that role who, yeah, hasn't really been the best at that, at that spot. He's a guy that I think is going to be more of a – you know, filler, not necessarily, you know, a starter. And I think Dante Fowler can fill in this role really, really nicely. Uh, this is exactly why he was drafted. And, and I think in Jacksonville, he just hadn't really had the opportunity uh, to really shine just yet. And I, I think that once he's been given that opportunity, which he's a good fit in this defense, I think it's going to work out really, really nicely. And then on top of that, the Rams really didn't give up much. I mean, a third-round pick, which, you know, as you mentioned earlier, they have uh, two others now, now that they gave up to uh, the Jaguars. And then a fifth-round pick in 2020. Yeah, that's that's not a whole lot, uh, especially if Fowler ends up panning out like I think he can. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's going to be, you know, a perennial pro bowler or anything like that. But this is a guy that can really step in and fill in a much needed spot. And for a team that's already, you know, stacked, this is going to be really, really good. Now, as far as what I think he can do this season, let's not get carried away. This is this is a guy that's coming into a new uh, a new defensive scheme. He is going to have to adjust. And it's going to take time, you know, so we can't expect, you know, Wade Phillips to plug him in right then. And, you know, he makes uh, and he creates havoc right away. I, I do expect him, um, you know, for the first couple of weeks to kind of put him in situational roles. And then eventually I do see him becoming a starter. Um, maybe after the bye week, I'm kind of hoping after the bye week, uh, maybe even a little bit sooner if he's a quick learner. And I, I think with the help of Wade Phillips, this is gonna be this is gonna be a good match, uh, a good uh, pairing with 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 Wade Phillips and the defense. At worst, I feel like his role will be basically what like late career Chris Long has had, kind of just as a situational pass rusher. Which, while it might not be worth giving up a third round pick, that's something the Rams really need right now. They they have just a complete lack of edge rushers. Samson Abukam and Matt Longacre have been the starting outside linebackers. They've been very okay. They they've certainly been the weak link on the weak link on this defense so far. I mean, I know the secondary has had their problems, but they've had some injuries. And Marquis Peters has been hit or miss. We'll get to that later. But this was definitely the biggest position to need. Sean McVay said it was something they were going to focus on, and to get a guy who he had eight sacks last year on. Probably the best defense in football last season in Jacksonville. And he's kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit because that the edge rushers there they had they had plenty of them. They were deep and Fowler, who he's had some off the field issues. He had an injury his rookie year, missed the entire season. So he, he's shown a lot of flashes. He's a talented young guy. He's he's not really somebody that's going to completely overhaul your defense. But to add him in to what we already have. It could be scary, you know. A guy like that coming off the edge with Aaron Donald and Adamican Sue and Michael's Brockers filling the holes in the inside, it's definitely something that the Rams really needed. And and when you mentioned the pick already, that pick is gonna basically be a fourth rounder. That's gonna be at at the very tail end of the third round, which is where the com- compensatory picks lie. 
And we already have two of them. We're going to get two more than likely for Sammy Watkins and Jermaine Johnson. We're going to have our own, which will probably be the 32nd pick in the third round because we're going to win the Super Bowl, of course. But this, <laughs> but when you're planning to win a Super Bowl, you're going all in. The third round picks, they're not going to matter that much. I mean, look at our third round pick from this year. We drafted Joseph Noteboom. Talented young player. He's pretty good. He's probably not going to really see the field at all this year, barring an injury. And that that's it's kind of another guy we're going to talk about in a little bit too. But the third rounder, I would rather use that on a guy who will give you eight quality games in your Super Bowl run. And I guess that would actually translate to 11, hopefully, when we get to the playoffs. But this is this is a pick. This is a trade any contender makes. We saw a couple contenders make similar trades. You know, Eagles traded the third round pick for Golden Tate. Uh, this is kind of the asking price for guys who are near expiring deals and will be up in the offseason. And that's another thing on Fowler. You know, it would be nice to have him locked up long term, but the rant or the Jaguars declined his fifth year option, so he's up at the end of the year. If he performs well, but not too well. Maybe we get him back on a nice little team-friendly deal, and if he performs really well, then somebody might throw him a huge contract, and we'll get another compensatory pick, be it a third, fourth rounder. So I, I think this is just a win-win move for the Rams, even if he only ends up being a situational guy. And I'm with you. I think coming out of the bye week, he's probably a starting outside linebacker on this team. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that this was one of the best moves that they could have done. Didn't give up much for him, in my personal opinion. And, you know, I I, I think even though the Jacks kind of gave up that option, I think that ultimately benefits the Rams in the long run just because, yeah, it kind of would be nice to have them uh, on a one more year contract. But that would have been at a much more expensive rate. And if that's the case and he doesn't exactly pan out, then we're stuck with this contract for one more year. So that's something else to consider. Of course, if he does pan out, then it would have been nice to have that. Yeah, but that it's going to be a hefty, hefty tag on that. It would probably be eight figures, if I had to guess. Low eight figures, but it would either be low eight figures or high, high millions, like eight or nine. I, I haven't pulled the numbers on that. But I, I believe Amari Cooper's is like 14. And edge rushers would probably be a little lower than receivers, but not much. They They get paid a lot of money. And... Yeah, this is just a move that we need to be made, and I agree. I'm glad he's not on a long, even have that fifth year option because we got a lot of decisions to make in the off season in terms of bringing a couple guys back, um, keeping guys who ha- who are under contract but we can opt out of, like Keith Talib, Mark Barron, and then guys like Corey Littleton, who's just straight up free agent, who has really proved his worth this year and might end up being a priority of the team. Lamarcus Joyner, who's coming off his franchise tag. Dominican Sue, who, you know, if if he's a one-year rental, I don't think anyone will be mad about it, but it, it seems like he's having a blast, and I think I would even like to bring him back even if it's on another one-year deal. But, yeah, I, I'm curious how you feel. One player that we've heard a lot about of people, like, saying he could be the savior in this spot is Okoronkwo, the rookie fifth-round pick edge rusher who has been injured. Do you think he even gets activated this year with with this move coming up? Because we'd have to um, we'd have to cut somebody to to keep put him on the active roster. It, it's going to have an effect this year, like you said, and I would be surprised to see if if he is activated, just because at this point, what's the rush? We have we have a Fowler now, and unless he is you know just playing out garbage, there's no reason to activate. Obos. So at that point, um, I, I don't think it's necessary to, to activate him. You know, just let him uh, just let him ride uh, for the for this year. And then next year, you know, hopefully he's coming back uh, 100 percent healthy and see if he can compete next year. And if Fowler ends up panning out and the Rams bring him back, then a little competition wouldn't hurt. At that point, you, you can maybe even try and challenge uh, challenge Samson at that point to see if he can, uh, you know, challenge him for that spot. You know, a little competition never hurt anything. And, you know, at, at that point, maybe we go uh, situational with Fowler and maybe Oboe ter- turns into something a little bit more methodical. Um, so a- as far as Oboe, yeah, it will have an effect this year. 
next year, that's a whole nother story. Yeah, I'm sure uh, if someone gets injured, they'll they'll activate him from the pup. But there's really no reason to rush on that because you're bringing in your depth now, who could be a potential starter too. And even if he does start, then your depth is going to become Samson Ibukam or uh, Matt Longacre. But speaking of more roster moves, and I think which was a pretty big surprise here, to make room for Dante Fowler, the Rams cut Jamone Brown, uh, the guard on our team who started every game last year, went into the season expected to be the starting guard after he returned from his suspension. He was suspended for the first few games. Austin Blythe came in, played very well. The Rams decided to to let it ride, and we've seen good things from Blythe, but this leaves the Rams with seven active linemen. Our two backups are Joseph Noteboom, a tackle who we've seen come in as guard as well, and center Brian Allen. What do you think the reason was that they cut Jamon Brown? It just seems like they lost faith in Brown. I, I think the suspension really kind of disappointed them, and um, maybe when he came back to practice, they didn't. They saw something that they didn't absolutely like. Um, and I think this is also a testament to Note Boom. You know, uh, they did. They were high on him when they drafted him. I mean, there's a reason why they kind of drafted him a little bit higher than people expected. And it seems like, you know, in, in the preseason, he showed flashes of, you know, some greatness here and there. So it could be that they're so high on Note Boom that they're like, you know what? We don't even really need Brown anymore. He was suspended early on, kind of disappointed us, maybe... Um, not quite at the level he was last year, so that's something to consider too. And in the end, um, even though I don't believe he would have that much of a salary cap impact, you know, if he's a guy that they don't, they're not completely sold on, you know, why why take up the cap space that he is taking up? So um, in the end, I, I do think that no boom is one of the reasons why uh, for this cut. But I will say it's a little bit surprising. Just because, like it, like you mentioned, this kind of makes us a little thin in, uh, on the offensive line. But, um, you know, I, I have to kind of go with what uh, Sean McVay's uh, going with because he's kind of the offensive genius here. And one of the reasons why the Rams are having such a successful, well, two years, really. Yeah, I definitely have full faith in Sean McVay. But this, this really caught me by surprise, and I... I don't feel great about it at all. I'm not I'm not going to sit here and act like cutting Jamon Brown is the end of the world because it's not at all. And if our offensive line stays healthy, it probably won't matter. But I just think considering some of the depth we have at certain positions, having Jamon Brown on the roster would be more beneficial than having you know, Justin Davis or Nick Williams if we expect Cooper Cup to come back this week. I, I just would rather have a guy who started every game for us last year and was fine. Like He's pretty good. He was a fine guard. I, I didn't have any complaints about him. I If he ended up taking Austin Bly's spot back, I wouldn't have been that – I really wouldn't have cared. I, th- I think it would have been a lateral move, but even though Bly's has been good. But I just would have rather kept him around instead of like the two – like Justin Davis and Nick Williams. I think the guys we could find on the open market – should we have to bring back another running back or another receiver are closer in talent to them than it would be if we needed to bring in another guard than Jamon Brown. Cause I think with him being cut, he's probably the best offensive lineman on, on the market right now. I, I think he'll get scooped up pretty p- quickly. It also uh, is uh, something to consider. Usually when something like this happens, it could mean another suspensions coming in the works. Uh, I've seen this, quite a few times with the you know talented players where you just kind of scratch your head well why did they cut him or why did they trade him away and um so i'm not saying that this is happening because i don't know but um it makes me wonder if uh something like that is going to happen because um as we mentioned earlier brown was suspended earlier this season so it wouldn't surprise me at all if that comes into play again right yeah and i would that's something we should all keep an eye on is if anything comes out about brown if there was locker room troubles if the suspension is looming and if there's no suspension looming nothing might come out because he's a pretty low profile player it's outside of like people who listen to rams podcasts and cover the team 
most people probably aren't really like concerned about this move at all. But it it is weird that this is the guy they chose to cut, and it'll be interesting to see what comes out about that. All right, before we move on, we're going to recap week eight a little bit and talk about a pretty ridiculous gambling line that came out. If anyone knows, what, I'm sure some people know what I'm talking about. But we want to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Jim Hawk, and his book, Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. I know most of us are practically addicted to anything that has to do with the Rams, and if you want to learn more about the team's history, with a bit of a personal touch, this is the story for you. You'll get the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. It's the son's story of his father and the team he played for in the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. You're going to learn about guys like Crazy Legs Hirsch, Les Richter, Tom Fears, and the legendary Norm Van Brocklin in this story that spans the 1950s L.A. Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at Hollywood's Team, or you can follow him on Twitter at Hollywood's Team. It's available in both hardback, electronic form at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, and I believe paperback is on the way. You can also find Hollywood's Team through various other booksellers on the internet. Guys, this work is worth every penny for any Rams fan out there just to learn about the history of the team. But it's also just a really compelling story about a person's father and the legacy left behind. Once again, guys, Hollywood's team, Grit Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's well worth your time. All right, Johnny, I was on the post-game show for this Rams victory on Rams Talk on Monday with Derek, or Sunday with Derek and Michael Stewart. So I'm going to give you the floor quick right here. How do you feel about this sneaky win against the Packers this week? It was a little too close for comfort, I'll admit. But at the end of the day, a win's a win. And not to take anything away from the Green Bay Packers because uh, they are a lot more talented than you know than what's given credit to them. So as far as my reaction, uh, it, it is a cause for concern in a lot of different areas, uh, particularly in the secondary but overall, I'm, I'm still happy with what I saw, you know, in the fight in this team because they had uh, just a purely awful first quarter. Second quarter, for the most part, was was pretty terrible also, except for the last, I'd say, five minutes. They had a pretty terrible second quarter also. So that's something to consider also moving forward. You know, just how they managed the game once they, you know, got more into pressure situations. You know, being down 10 nothing and then actually going into halftime 10-8, to I thought that was really impressive because this, this was a team that was struggling early on. And then as the game went on, they took over the lead and, you know, they, they kind of was kind of back and forth there for a while. But in the end, the Rams ended up victorious, so I, I was really... Uh, happy with what I saw there but defensively there is a lot to consider going forward the first half was uh, up until really the end of the second quarter was pretty brutal we looked like a completely different team out there and it you can't be really too mad about it I was definitely on the more positive side in the postgame show because look this was a hard-fought win Went, considering how bad they were to start the game and how good they were by the end of the game against a good football team with probably the best player in football on the other side at quarterback. And the, the way the Rams fought back and clawed them, their way back into this game and really just kind of just took full control near the end, it was as impressive as a victory as you want. And we I know we've had a couple close games here, uh, too many to be honest, but... This was a nice win against a good team, a team that I think is much better than you know, the Denver's and the Seattle's teams that we played close. Now, obviously, I think Minnesota might be a little better, but this was still a really impressive win. And I had the secondary on things I want to talk to you about because on last week's show, when I was with Norm, I kind of talked about how Mar- or Marcus Peters had a really nice kind of return to form game, so to say, against San Francisco. And I wondered if that was due to him being back to form or them playing the 49ers. And obviously a matchup with Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers will kind of prove that he could be back to form. And he's not. He gave up more yards in this game 
in plays that he was targeted than he did in the last three games combined. 140 yards, six receptions on nine targets, and a touch. Er, he got burned once, according to playerprofile.com. This is what I'm using. That's not good. And we're going up against a Saints passing attack who didn't do much last week, but obviously they're one of the best in the NFL. I like it's scary, man. And Troy Hill wasn't much better. It's this team might struggle for for a while in the passing attack against the passing attack, and that might happen until Akeem Talib comes back. And we don't even know when that's going to happen. We don't. There's no news on whether or not he's going to be ready to come back when he returns from the pup. I mean, this is definitely a little concerning. Yeah, as far as Marcus Peters is concerned, it's it is a lot concerning because the thing about Marcus Peters is he was supposed to be that guy. He was supposed to be that lockdown corner that, you know, quarterbacks fear to throw against. Now, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers here, so it doesn't surprise me at all that he was targeting Marcus Peters because I mean, the guy is just one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the game. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that he attacks anywhere he pleases. But at the same time, you're you're looking at other other teams that he struggled against, like against Denver, Keenum is not someone that you struggle against. He is not exact. He has his moments, yes, but he's not Aaron Rodgers. And for him to not be afraid to attack Marcus Peters, that's saying a lot. You know, that's that's saying that's saying that Marcus Peters is not the same guy that quarterbacks feared in the past. So this becomes alarming because now you know, the starter opposite of him is no longer a keep to leave uh, due to injury. So this is where it gets a little dicey because then you got other guys like Troy Hill, you know, getting burned out there. And, you know, I have to say with Troy Hill, there are times where I'm like, okay, I can, I can see Troy Hill, you know, improving. And there are times where he takes like three major steps backwards. And I'm like, where the heck did he go? You know, um, so this is scary kind of going further because we're it's not going to get any easier, you know, in this upcoming schedule. You know, now we we ha- we're heading into New Orleans against the Drew Brees that for whatever reason this man never ages and is just hitting, you know, some of these talented wide receivers like Michael Thomas. I guarantee you Marcus Peters covering Thomas is is going to be it's going to be an interesting game because Thomas is going to be rubbing his hands together trying to get all these catches because uh, if I'm Drew Brees, I'm targeting Marcus Peters because he's he's shown week in and week out that he can't really compete with some of the elite wide receivers in the league. And he's a guy that loves to you know take a little risk here and there, kind of like our old friend Janoris Jenkins in that regard. He'll make some plays, but he might get burned a little bit. And he got he's gotten burned a lot in – recent weeks outside of that 49ers game and when you don't have the guy of a caliber of a, a key to on the other side it's it's tough to salvage that in the secondary because Talib was locking people down you know whenever one of those two guys was on the team's second best receiver they normally did pretty well but without him there it's Troy Hill and you're you hit the nail on the head with with Troy Hill because he looks good at times but other times he's not that good and, I mean, that's why he is the team's, like, fourth or fifth cornerback entering the season for those reasons. He's a solid reserve cornerback. But when he's called on to start for a long period of time, which he's been called on this season, you're going to see mistakes, and that comes with the territory when you're starting a guy of that caliber. And, you know, the Rams didn't make a move for a cornerback at the deadline. They chose to get an edge rusher, which I think is the right move. But that probably means that Tlaib will be – that. You know, they've seen enough progress to know that he's coming back. At least you would hope that's part of their mindset. So that definitely makes me feel a little bit better. But with a matchup against Drew Brees this week, with uh, Russell Wilson coming up, and then the Chiefs at the end, Akeem Tlaib will not be back for the Chiefs game. He'll be eligible to return after that game, after the Rams bye week against the Detroit Lions. So we're without him for probably the two toughest offenses we're going to face all year. And... It'll be interesting to see how the Rams overcome that kind of adversity here. 
Johnny, I want to ask you before we wrap up on the week eight stuff, because we, we talked about it a lot on, on our various podcasts here. We saw some big plays from Mark Barron, Ramick Wilson, and as we know him on this podcast, the love him or hate him, depending on the minute of the day, Josh Reynolds. Uh, three Rams who have been quiet all year, and in terms of you know Reynolds and Barron, they've struggled a little bit. Which which one of these performances and big plays that which were you happiest to see? You know, the funny thing is these three guys had probably three of the most critical moments in this game, every single one of them. And, I mean, you have Mark Barron on the safety, Remick Wilson on that fumble, and Josh Reynolds had, well, I mean, he had two touchdowns. So you you have three really important guys here, but – out of all of them, I would probably have to say Reynolds just because I, you know, I think I've said that I'm a little bit higher on Josh Reynolds than you've been. Uh, I, I know you've kind of been iffy on the guy. And at first I was pretty high on this guy until at, until really the start of the season when he, you know, was just kind of lackadaisical, you know, going after that John Johnny Hecker uh you know, pass. That's when I started kind of giving up on him a little bit, but then he comes back and has this type of performance. Actually, this was a much different Josh Reynolds than I've ever seen. This guy was perfect. You know, he, I seen him attacking the football. I've seen him, uh, I seen him going after some ridiculous catches and I'm like, this is, was that really Reynolds? Like, am I looking at the same Josh Reynolds that we've seen in the past couple of seasons? And yeah, sure enough, this guy in the stack column is putting up touchdown receptions. So, you know, kudos to Josh Reynolds and kudos to Wilson for saving the Rams because he, he, uh, he basically ensured that the Rams won this game. Two weeks ago, Josh Reynolds literally got hit in the face with a football. And it turned into an interception. When you get hit in the face with a football and it turns into an interception, that has got to be the most like confidence-killing play in almost any position in the NFL outside of like maybe getting trucked by a kicker when you're a linebacker or something like that. So <laughs> Reynolds, because we've been hard on him in this podcast, I kind I hammered him for. I don't know if you saw that play. I believe it was in the Denver game where he literally got smacked in the face with the ball. Like, I saw that. I yeah, was, if I was it, dying. If the ball hits your face, it most likely means you could have caught it. So I I kind of hammered him on the podcast. I believe Derek was on it with me when we talked about that, and he was a little bit more generous towards Reynolds. But Reynolds wasn't at, wasn't called upon a lot in this game. But when he was, he he performed, man. He played extremely well. His touchdowns are both really solid plays. And – if this was really the last time we're going to see him for a while, because hopefully Cooper Cup will be back Sunday, then I'm glad he's going out on a good game. It'll be good for his confidence long term, even if he's not, you know, called upon a ton with the Rams. That's uh, it's just a good thing for him to really just go out with that game. And if that wasn't his last game, I, I feel okay with him being in the rotation for another week because he earned his worth. I do want to say, you know, Ram, in terms of Ramick Wilson. The Packers trading Ty Montgomery for a seventh-round pick today basically means they didn't blame Ramick Wilson for that play. They blamed the other guy, but that was a—I mean, he literally won the game for us. And Mark Barron, who probably shouldn't be in this conversation of three these three guys because he's one of the highest-paid players on the team. It, oh, yeah. <laughs> but it was nice to see him get a huge play for us because that, that safety, you know, kind of— you know, it did end up winning the Rams the game. They went one by two. I mean, ultimately, the Todd Gurley would have scored at the end, but we probably wouldn't have been running that type of offense if this play didn't happen. That was a hell of a play by Mark Barron, who literally steps up, grabs Aaron Jones, and does not let him get forward at all. Just plants like a wall against a bigger player and is able to bring him down in the end zone for a loss. I mean, that that was a hell of a play. So all three of those guys, man. They they earned it this week, and it was nice to see all those performances. Kind of double backing on that Ty Montgomery trade, you know that the Green Bay Packers 
fans own the own the team when a trade like that happens. <laughs> I mean, think about that for a second. I mean, uh, yes, Ty Montgomery fumbling the football there was probably the lowest point of his career. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But Ty Montgomery is actually a really solid player. I am actually a fan of Ty Montgomery. And, you know, if if I could, if, if the Rams actually had a need for him, I would want him. I, I would gladly surrender a seventh-round pick for him. And honestly, that was more of a testament to the fans being upset than it was a necessary move. Uh, I just, I don't know. For me, I thought that was a little harsh, but A, uh, hopefully it doesn't come back to bite uh, Green Bay because I, I, I think he, he's worth keeping. <laughs> it's crazy, man. It seemed, from what I've read, which wasn't much, it seems like it was kind. the play was kind of like, a culmination of uh, both sides being unhappy with each other. And at that point they were just not ready to move on. And I mean, the Ravens, I don't even think really needed him with, they got Buck Allen and Alex Collins. He's probably a little better than Buck Allen, but it wasn't really a need to upgrade. But when you get a guy like that for a seventh round pick, why, why don't you do it? You know, it's, it's a no brainer. I don't think they would have ever traded him to us after that play. I, I don't, I don't think they would have done that, but yeah, that's, that's crazy. And before we get to the new Orleans game, speaking of crazy, and I don't know what gambling website had these odds and I'm not going to credit them because they don't deserve credit for this. The Cleveland Browns fired Hugh Jackson this week. And when the betting odds went up for who will be the next Browns head coach, which is currently Greg Williams, by the way, which is just another level of hilarious. Sean McVay was plus 200 and the the leading odds. Like, I get it. The reason is because he's from Ohio. He's an Ohio guy. Went to Miami, Ohio. Maybe he'd want to be the team guy to turn around Cleveland. And I'm sure he kind of does want to be the guy to turn around Cleveland at some point. But he is not going to leave the Rams for a long time. I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to be here for the next 30 years. I think there's a chance that they succeed really well over the next five years. That maybe they go into contracts run up. We go into a little rebuild. I don't know. But he's not going to leave until the core of this team isn't here anymore and they're not contenders. No no coach would ever leave a situation like this under any scenario. So I don't know how you legitimately put out betting odds that he's going to be their next head coach because there's – I would – probably take a thousand to one odds that he's not leaving i'll you know i'll i'll win five dollars if i bet five thousand dollars because he's not going to leave the rams for a job in cleveland given the mess they're in and given how set up he is for the next couple of years here to win a super bowl no coach in any sport would ever do something like this yeah how he's the favorite just kind of baffles me even with kind of the scenario you uh, you mentioned about him being an Ohio guy, yeah, okay, there's a connection there, but yeah, that's not exactly ideal uh, for Sean McVay. In, in the end, this is uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually laughing a little bit because uh, I just realized what I was about to say. So I was about to say this is Sean McVay's team. Although if you'd ask Jeff Fisher, you know, he'd probably tell you that it's his <laughs> So You're not wrong. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this is truly Sean McVay's team. And if if this was something that was kind of just handed to him, you might have a point. You know, if he was just an offensive coordinator or something, he's a head coach of the best team in football right now. He's not going anywhere especially to the Browns who just find magical ways of losing. It still baffles me how, how terrible of a team they are when they have so much talent, but you know, that's, that's another story, but uh, Hey Cleveland, uh, you know, Jeff Fisher's available. Just saying. (laughs) Like I, I could see him someday going to the Browns if they don't figure their shit out by then, but like, it's not going to happen anytime soon considering how young his star players are and how long they're under contract for it's he nobody 
would leave that job, let alone a, a 32-year-old who is going to have plenty of time to go rebuild the Browns at some point in his career if he wanted to. And I, I pulled up the odds. He's already gone from plus 200 to plus 750, which means everybody disagreed with that line. Number one is Rams QB coach Zach Taylor at plus 200, which would basically mean that the Browns are trying to do exactly what the Rams did with Sean McVay. But, I mean, we'll see. If, now, he seems like a smart young coach, but we lost our QB coach last year. I don't think it'll affect much. All right, before we get to the Saints, let's give a quick shout-out to our other sponsor and the original sponsor of Rams Talk Radio, the Golden Ram Barbershop. If you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area and like that old-school barbershop experience, check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Zip code is 92683. Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day they left for St. Louis. He kept the lights on ever since, and his team returned to him. And now he's in there in his city. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS. Again, that's 714-894-7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows who sent you. He knows he's getting a knowledgeable Rams fan, and you're going to get a discount on an already very affordable haircut. The Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturdays from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, guys. You can give Sal a call and set up your appointment at the Golden Ram at 714-894-7267. A visit to your shop is worth it, not only to enjoy all the Rams memorabilia, not only to talk that old school barbershop talk with a guy like Sal, but also he gives a good haircut, and Johnny can attest to that. He did well on him, so trust me, guys, you're not going to regret hitting up the Golden Ram. All right, so, Johnny, I think this is the biggest game of the year for the Rams. They're 8-0, the Saints are 6-1, but if the Rams lose this game and both teams win out, the Saints would win the NFC and they'd have the number one seed. I mean, is there, I know the chiefs game is a big deal, but it's also not, it also doesn't really matter outside of the wins and losses. And I guess the best overall record. I mean, is there any reason to think this isn't the biggest game of the year? No, you're absolutely right. This, this, uh, this game is kind of for, I mean, not quite just because I think there'll be some trial and tribulations for, for the Rams and the same, but it is a huge game. It, and it and for me, it's kind of a toss-up between the Saints and the Chiefs as the biggest game for the Rams. But you're absolutely right. You know, this uh, this is for the NFC side, so this is something to consider also. But Steve, you know how much I love I love to be right, right? I I do know how much you love to be right. So if we go back to the beginning of the season, I predicted the Rams to be eight zero. So happy Johnny there. But I also predicted that the Rams' first loss would be against the New Orleans Saints. Sad Johnny there. So I never want to be more wrong than I am right now. But to be quite honest with you, there is a very real possibility that the Rams might not win this game. And not to say that that it's going to happen but you know if the rams do not play their best football so that means if they play like they started against the green bay packers they are not winning this football game especially because the way the offense started off slow and the defense surrendered so much uh so much yardage and even up 10 points uh early on yeah that you can double that with the saints you know the Saints have so many ways of scoring, and if they don't get their uh, secondary, you know, going to cover Michael Thomas and the rest of the Saints' offense, this could be a very scary game for the Rams. I know this Chiefs game is a big deal, but in terms of just like how much these games actually matter, if the Rams get a win this week, they'll have a nice two-game cushion against the Saints, and. That they'll basically be able to drop two more games for the rest of the season and will most likely still win the NFC. I mean, I know there's ch- a chance that other teams can go the distance and go, you know, 14 and 2. Um, only the Saints can go 15 and 1. And I'm sure that they, I don't think they're going to go 15 and 1, but they're clearly right now the biggest threat to us. And 
the other two lost teams right now are Washington and Carolina. I can't really see either of those teams winning out, even though both are good teams. So this is this is the one that it's going to come down to because if the Rams lose this game, um, the the Chiefs game will become a lot more actually meaningful, which will probably be the best game we play all year. And the Saints would have would gain a nice cushion if we can win this game. We can lose to the Chiefs, and we can lose another game if you know. I don't think we're going to, but you know, down that stretch, the Eagles, the Bears, those might be tough games even next week against seattle which i i don't think we would lose that it'll just give us you know more more comfort in the long term winning this game but you're right it is going to be a tough game they're probably one of the four best teams in the league i would say being us them uh, kansas city and new england the now looking at the numbers here the rams defense is ranked eighth overall in yards allowed Ninth overall in passing yards allowed and 12th overall against running yards overall. The Saints offense is 8th overall in total yards, ninth overall in passing yards, and 17th in rushing. So not uh, we are almost exactly the same. But this is a matchup between a good defense. Who It's kind of surprising that they're ninth in total passing yards because it does not feel like that right now. But this is one of the better defenses in the league against one of the better offenses in the league. The Saints are second in points per game. The Rams are sixth in points allowed per game. It's this, I think that the Rams will do well against the Saints defense, but this is the matchup that the game's going to come down to. And the player I want to talk about here is Alvin Kamara, who I pulled up the stats from our game against the Saints last year. Alvin Kamara touched the ball 11 times. He had 188 total yards and he scored two touchdowns. The rest of the skill players on the Saints touched the ball 28 times, had 176 total yards, and didn't score a touchdown. So, Johnny, I'm asking you. I know you mentioned Michael Thomas, but shouldn't the Rams' number one priority in this game be just stop Alvin Kamara at all costs? Or do you think, you know, I know it happens a lot in basketball where they'll let the star player beat them and not let anyone else beat them. You. I don't know. What do you like? You think that Kamara is going to be the major focus of this game? Kamara is definitely going to be somebody that the Rams look out for, without a doubt. You know, going by last year's uh, stats and just 11 carries, that's just astronomical numbers there. But at the same time, the Saints just seem and feel more like a passing offense team. And if if it's working, that's a easier way to score and a quicker way to score. But um, you can't you can't look past an Alvin Kamara. So yes, he he is someone to worry about also. And this kind of dives into what I was talking about earlier about how the Saints can beat you so many different ways on offense. So Kamara is some something that the Rams need to really address. You know, going into going into this game. But I still I still feel like the the kind of the guy to look out for is Michael Thomas because he is a quiet guy off the field. He's a quiet guy on the field. He just, he just shows up to play football and he'll, he'll end the game with over a hundred yards uh, you receiving and, you know, a couple touchdowns because, and, and you won't even realize it was him because he, he's just such an under the radar guy. It would be nice if Marcus Peters played well last week. So then we could, you know, expect him to at least kind of contain Michael Thomas a little bit. But he was just he got cooked last week, and you know, now we have to worry about him getting cooked again by Michael Thomas and the rest of the defense getting cooked by Alvin Kamara, who I mean destroyed us last year. You mentioned that they're a passing offense, and they are, but Alvin Kamara is a huge part of that passing offense, and. <laughs> Like, it, it's going to be tough to contain this guy. I mean, he had a 74-yard touchdown run. Yeah, that that's a big factor in his total yards. But even without that, he still touched the ball 10 times and had over 100 yards and a touchdown. So the Rams, I feel like we've struggled traditionally in the Wade Phillips era against these kind of shifty, uh, crafty, quick running backs. And we haven't had to talk about that a lot this year because we haven't really played anyone like Alvin Kamara. 
And there's not a lot of guys like Alvin Kamara. And I think guys like that frighten me. I think you know, I could see maybe like a guy like Tariq Cohen is the only player that's even similar. And he's not near the player Alvin Kamara is. I think this guy is one of the best players in the NFL. I got a little concerned two weeks ago when the Saints kind of ducked down his usage. Or I guess three weeks ago because they had a bye. They ducked down Kamara's usage a little bit, but I think that was just kind of to get Mark Ingram back in the flow of things. It's clear now that Kamara's the guy that is going to be carrying this, you know, the bulk of the load for the running backs. And I think they know that he should be the one to do it in this game, given what happened last year. And I'll be honest, man, I don't know how we're going to stop him and Michael Thomas this week. Marcus Peters needs to have, like, his best game of the season because. Going into the game, I think Kamara will get his, and I think we can win even if he does. We did last year, but he needs to at least hold Michael Thomas to like an average game because if he gets cooked too, the this offense might have a field day even given how good the pass rush is going to be. Looking at the other side of the ball, I mean, do you have any concerns about this this New Orleans defense containing the Rams at all? They're in terms of yards per game. They're pretty low. Tenth, they're the 10th worst uh, overall yards per game defense. And points-wise, they are the 10th worst scoring defense. They're giving up 26 points a game, and they're giving up 374 yards a game. Their rush defense has actually been pretty solid. They're the best in the league. But their passing defense, uh, not so much. They're the 5th worst. I mean... I feel like Jared Goff is going to have a field day here, and I think this is going to be an old-fashioned shootout. Yeah, absolutely. This is going to be the battle of the offenses, so to speak. You know, uh, nobody defensively really frightens me uh, against this high-powered Rams offense. And while we kind of have our concerns on the Rams' uh, defense, I would still say that the Rams' defense is um, much more talented than uh, the Saints'. I just have no faith in the uh, Saints' defense at all, especially going up against Todd Gurley, especially going up against Jared Goff. And I I just think that, like you said, Goff is going to basically pick apart this defense. And this is going to be – this is where it's going to get slightly different than the Green Bay game because uh, for the first time this year, Green Bay successfully kind of uh, shook – Jared Goff a little bit because they were able to get to him you know they blitzed brilliantly in the first half uh not so much in the second half but in the first half they they blitzed really really well and I just don't see that kind of firepower in in the Saints defense so uh this is gonna boil down to what offense performs better uh in this game because uh I I have absolutely no no concern at all uh, with the Saints defense I, I don't think there's any reason really to have a concern although the the run defense numbers are really solid they haven't given up a 100 yard rushing performance since week one to Tampa Bay of all teams is that <laughs> like <laughs> of, How is that possible? I, I need to double check this because I feel like that might be their only game where they had 100 yards rushing um no, wow, they've had 100 yards rushing the last three games. But obviously it was a dry spell for them for a little bit. But you know, they, they've they played the – where did they go? Where's my seats? They played the Giants. They played uh, the Redskins. They played the Vikings. They played the Ravens. But the Buccaneers are the team that had the best rushing attack against them. That's, that's bizarre. So, I mean, I – I think McVay will rely on the pass, and he's been doing that almost every game this year. You know, we have games where Todd Gurley can run the ball 25 times, and we don't think he gets the ball enough. I think this is going to be a game where we watch, and we don't think he's going to get the ball enough, but that's because of how good the Saints rushing defense has been, and the the play here should be to rely on the pass a little more. But obviously, Gurley's going to get his touches, whether that's on the ground or through the air. So I'm going to make my prediction here, Johnny. I am going to go with 41-37, to 37, and I'm going to go with the Rams 
I had I did not have the Rams eight and zero, but I did have them winning this game, and I'm gonna stick with it. I think it's gonna be a ridiculously high scoring game, even though I don't think both defenses will play terribly. I think both offenses are just really good, and the secondary on the Rams uh, does not have have any faith in me whatsoever right now. Uh, it would be nice to see them you know surprise us here and have a great game, but those cornerbacks concern me. But ultimately, I do think the Rams pull this one out as they did last season. Well, I did have the Rams losing this game, but I can't bring myself to actually say that they're going to lose this game because I believe for as much concern that I have in this game, I I still believe that the Rams can pull this one out. I just think in the end, the Rams' uh, offense is just going to be overpowering the Saints' defense, and it's going to be a close one, and the funny thing is, uh, my prediction was not too far off from yours. I'm I'm going with 42-38 Rams. <laughs> there you go. I want to give you a quick trivia question here. The Rams had two players score touchdowns in this game last year. Greg Zerline kicked them to victory with five field goals. Um, five, four field goals. Can you name the two Rams that caught touchdown passes from Jared Goff in this game last year? From Jared Goff. Okay, so um, I don't think it was Cooper Cup. It was not Cooper Cup. Yeah, because I remember Cooper Cup kind of had a dry spill for a while. Um, Wasn't Sammy Watkins. It was Sammy Watkins was one of them. It was. Okay, so that's one. Okay, um, Todd Gurley? Josh Reynolds had a touchdown. Sammy Watkins and Josh Reynolds. And I just, I want to throw this out there too because I saw this stat on Twitter the other day. I don't remember who tweeted it. But um, Sammy Watkins, or Brandon Cooks has already either, I'm pretty sure he's already surpassed Sammy Watkins' total yards from last season. Which is baffling. If he didn't pass it, he's very close and will pass it this week. I mean, that's just that's just bananas to me. I know they're completely different players, and Cooks is a much better fit for this offense. And obviously had a little bit more time to build chemistry with Jared Goff, but he already has more yards. That's crazy. You, you can go ahead and say it and just say he's, he's just the better overall player. He's definitely, yeah, he's a, definitely the better overall player. But I think Sammy Watkins is a good player, and Brandon Cooks should not have already have passed his yardage total let me let me see let me yeah he has uh brandon cook says 643 yards in eight games sammy watkins had 593 in 15 games uh eight touchdowns though for sammy as opposed to two for brandon cook sammy sammy did score a good amount of touchdowns last year we didn't give him enough credit for that but yeah i'm definitely happier with brandon cooks all right johnny oh yeah we're gonna wrap up here but you haven't been on the show for a while you got you got any parting thoughts for the listeners uh just follow me on twitter just because now i i made a promise i'm gonna stick to it uh uh, you can find me in the twitter sphere at johnny five not six give me a follow show me some love and uh, if you want to laugh at you know my predictions, you can. But uh, I don't recommend it because I'm on a good streak here. You are on a good streak, but you've you've double or uh, you've hedged your bets here with your prediction this week. But I I also have not picked the Rams to lose yet this season, so I'm I'm also not going to complain. Um, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Steve Ribeiro. Feel free to shoot me any fantasy questions or whatever you want to talk about. And you can find Rams Talk at Talk Rams. We're always live tweeting the game over there. Usually it's Derek, occasionally it's me. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rams Talk. Go find the Rams Talk room on Facebook if you want to interact with us. And don't forget to, to check us out and follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, Player FM, Spotify, and iebeatradio.com. All right, guys, we'll be back next week. Could be after the Rams' first loss. Let's hope it's not. We don't think it will be. We will talk to you then.
You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.